Good morning. How are we doing? Happy Father's Day. Uh, I had to put that in my notes because I'm so on track with trying what I'm saying this morning that this morning I walked in the kitchen upstairs, walked by my father's father-in-law and totally forgot to say Happy Father's Day because it's just not really on my mind. Um, anyway, so Happy Father's Day. Uh, I pray that those of you that are fathers just have an incredibly blessed day and just sense just the blessing of God on what it means to, to raise uh, children, um, mostly for, for his glory. Um, incredible blessing, and was incredibly blessed as my daughter ran in the front door uh, this morning and yelling my name. That was pretty, pretty cool. I want to tell you what I want to do today. We're going to talk about membership. What does it mean to be a member of a local church? And uh, I'm going to begin by defining it, first of all, by what it's not. We'll give some parallels, some illustrations on, on what church membership is not. We'll talk about what it is. We'll look at where do we see it biblically, um, and then how does it work itself out, and then application, what does it mean for us here at North Church. So um, I need to pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Father, I'm overwhelmed this morning by your immense love that you are my Father. And on this Father's Day, uh, God, I'm just grateful for you and all that you are to me. And God, I pray that this morning would be a blessing to you. I pray that this morning you would be honored and glorified in our worship, honored and glorified in the communication of your truth, honored and glorified in our hearts. God, that we would bless you as our Father this morning. As if we could hope you have a good day. I don't know how that works exactly, but... Um, God, be honored and glorified. God, would you uh, guard your message this morning? And God, you know the work that I've put in to prepare what we're going to look at today. And I just beg for your mercy to be poured out over us as we try to make sense of your calling on us to commit to a local church. So God, uh, we just rejoice in who you are and the opportunity that we have now. We surrender to you in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, it's a pretty common thing. You can look all over the place. You're going to see different opportunities and different marketing schemes to join something, to be a part of something. Okay, whether it's some company, organization, whether it's some Facebook page, group, whatever, there's, it's, it's all over the place to the point where it can be overwhelming. Have you ever felt like you've signed up for too much? You're like, how do I keep up with this and how do I keep up with this and how do I keep up with this? And, and if you don't have something that helps you recall that you're a part of that, then you might forget that you're a part of that, right? Um, 
You know, you could be a member of a country club. You could be a member at some store like Costco, which is a great place, by the way. I think it kills Sam's, but um, that's not my purpose today. But anyway, um, you could be a member of a country club. You could be a member of the AARP, possibly, probably not most of us, but um, maybe, I don't know. Um, but here, So here's my question this morning. Are churches simply joining the masses in calling people to be a part? Come be a part. Join us. Join what we're doing. Because we have so much to offer you. When you look at different organizations, you look at different companies, they throw out all these perks about what it means to be a member. And they have all these, these listings. Let me, let me give you an example real quick. Um, one of my favorite places is REI. Now, if you don't know what REI is, uh, that's unfortunate. But you can come to the full knowledge of REI this morning. We could have some people in the back that will talk with you. Um, not really. But um, REI is an is a incredible outdoor store. Uh, my wife and I, we actually went backpacking for our five-year anniversary, and so we love outdoors. And you can buy backpacking stuff there, rock climbing stuff, uh, kayaking, canoeing, uh, running. I mean, you just name it, outdoor stuff. REI is, is the place. We're members there. Now, we probably don't cash in on our membership like most people do. Um, I just think it's cool to say I'm a member of REI. Um, anyway, let me tell you some of the perks of being a member of REI. Okay, first of all, uh, at the end of every year, you get a dividend. 10% back on every REI purchase that you make. Um, we probably don't cash in as much as we could. Maybe we need to start rethinking that, babe. Um, anyway, like any company, credit cards. There's always some type of perk that comes along with you get a credit card for our, our company and you're going to get some uh, rebates back on purchases or there's, you know, it's the whole like, would you like to sign up for a credit card today and get 10% off on your purchase? And every time you're like, no, absolutely not. Okay, um, there's, there's all kinds of different savings. Um, one, of the, one of the things that's really cool is REI has a garage sale that they do every now and then, but no one knows about it really. Uh, they have members-only garage sales, and what this is is the store opens at like crazy hours of the morning, uh, like 7 o'clock in the morning, um, and I guess that's not that crazy, but 7 o'clock in the morning, and you come there, and it's, it's first come, first serve. Like you grab whatever's available. It's crazy discounts, and you very much could get shoved to the floor to, you know, somebody else is going for that last item. There's, there's all these perks and savings. You can get discounts on rental gear. They do these adventure trips that go across the United States, across the world, and, and they go, take you on uh, tour, tour guides to rock climb and uh, mountain bike and all this different stuff, and they, give you, they offer massive discounts and stuff like that if you're a member. They also give you a voice into the company where they have a certain way where you can communicate your opinion on how you feel about things, and they'll filter that and think through that. Um, it's part, of, it's part of the benefits of what it means to be a member. Now, let's think about it church-wise for a second. So much of church culture has made membership, or we, we've created this atmosphere that's, that's made it all about people and made it all about being comfortable. And so you, it's almost like this business approach to membership. 
even in the church. That's why you see these massive churches that have all the bells and whistles and they're just like, you know, glowing from the outside and they have all these programs and you go to the, the kids' place and there's like every gaming system and there's like water slides and, I mean, it's just like we want to be a part of that because they have so much to offer us. No. Is that, is that what church is? Can, can we take that that same thing, I'm not going to say that being a part of a church doesn't offer benefits. I hope that you walk out those doors with something this morning. And it's not some little trinket, the little cool deal that we're going to give you at the end, but I hope that you experience something here this morning in such a way that you walk out those doors and, and you felt like you've met with the Lord. I mean, pursuing the Lord is also a pursuit of our joy. Okay, but at the same time, here's where we've run into problems because not like REI or any other company, for those you become a member because you have things that, personal ways that you benefit from being a part of that. But being a part of a church, membership in a church it cannot be defined that way. Okay? Here, here's why. Uh, we have a skewed understanding of Christianity, and we have a skewed understanding of what it means uh, to be a part of a church because we have a misperception of what the gospel is and what the gospel means for our lives. Let me explain. We've for so long been taught that the gospel is all about us and the gospel is all about our salvation and God's love for us and we make a big deal about it being us. Do you know what the gospel says? The gospel says that you're a wretched, wicked sinner deserving hell. Is that making much of you? I don't know. Not so much. But God, being rich in mercy, made us alive. Okay? So the gospel teaches us that it's all about him and all about his grace. Now the question is, is, is how does that begin to inform how we view what it means to be a part of a church? Because if the gospel is all about all that he's doing and done and all about his glory mainly, then that's going to begin to affect when we think about things like preferences. I'm not saying you shouldn't have preferences, but, but we can come into a place like this and we can nitpick about music. We can nitpick about, oh, the, the sermon's too long. We can nitpick about, uh, you know, I wish we had some more comfortable seats or wish there were a couple more seats in the back, because I don't like having to come up to the front. Um, maybe you should get here earlier. Um, anyway, uh, but how, how can the gospel shape how we view life? How can the gospel shape how we view what it means to be a part of a church? I want to give you a definition. It's a definition that I put together. You won't find this in any books or dictionaries. Um, here's my definition of church membership. And then we're going to break it down. Church membership. Committing yourself to a specific body of believers through thick and thin. Submitting to the elders and taking responsibility for the advancement of the gospel in your own life and in the lives of those around you. Now we're going to break that down into three different parts. And I'm just going to talk through it. Um, if you have a Bible, why don't you go to Romans 12. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning. Romans 12. If you need a Bible, there's some back there on the table right next to the coffee that you could probably also need. Um, Romans 12. The first part I want to talk about is committing yourself. 
church membership, I want to define as committing yourself to a specific body of believers through thick and thin. Romans 12. If you're there, we're just going to read verse 1. It says, present, I'm sorry, no it doesn't. Uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay, so think about that. This idea of presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. Okay, That's, that's such an incredible picture of what it means to commit to something. We talked in, the, when, we, when I introduced the series several weeks ago on the church, we looked at Acts 2, and we talked about how Acts 2 is all about, in, in verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves. So they were committed to something happening, namely the gospel, in the context of a, of a community of believers. Let me give you an example. Last year I ran a marathon. I talked about that a little bit. Um, I didn't just all of a sudden stumble across running 26.2 miles. Now, yeah, I kind of probably did stumble across the finish line, but I didn't just wake up one morning and I'm going to go out for a run and, whoa, 26.2. Wow. No. Obviously, it doesn't work that way. Okay, we had a rigorous it was like a part-time job. You can ask my wife. Um, it was like a part-time job. We had a rigorous plan when we ran, how far we were running, when we trained, all these different things that we did. Well, we had to be committed. I ran with a buddy, Jason, and we were committed to each other, and we we're like, man, I don't, I don't feel like running today. And I'm like, yeah, you do. You're running. Come on. Let's go. And so we were committed to doing it together every time. Okay. Because of the fact that there were times when we just wanted to quit. Like you go out and you try to run 18 miles, and then you find out you, your car gets broken into, and you're just like, I don't even want to continue. Okay? Um, commitment. Tell me anything you've accomplished in your life that didn't come through you sitting down and saying, okay, I'm doing this. I'm going to commit to this. We don't just stumble upon greatness in anything. It's Especially the Christian life. You're not just going to wake up one day and all of a sudden have arrived at Christian maturity. It's going to take you working hard at it. Why do we think the Bible uses language like discipline yourself? Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Why does the Bible, why why do we talk about spiritual disciplines? Because it doesn't come easy. And naturally, we're just not going to do it if we don't commit to it, but also have some people that are going to have some say in our lives to help us follow through with it. I'd have a very hard time running a marathon by myself. Nobody around, no fans, no crowd, no other runners, just me. I don't know how well that would work. I love in Hebrews, when the writer of Hebrews writes in chapter 10, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Our propensity is to neglect. 
just kind of ignore, just kind of. But if we don't, and if we don't commit to what God's called us to commit to, what's going to come of it? Probably nothing of much value. Uh, Danielle and I have been married, or we've been together for almost ten and a half years. We started dating February thirteenth of two thousand, um, and. In the midst of that, t- tell me what it would be like. Maybe, ladies, you can resonate with this a little bit more. Um, what would it be like if I just was like, babe, I love you. Uh, you know, we're dating at this point. I love you, and you know, I'm committed to you. You know, and we just kind of continued our relationship, continued our relationship, but we never got married. I'm committed to you, babe. I'm, I, I'm, I'm here for you. I love you. You are completely mine. I'm completely yours. Do you think there'd be some questions in her head? Well, is he like, why don't, why don't we get married? Like, that's what people that are committed to one another do. They get married. Why, why aren't we getting married? There'd be some question marks in her head. She'd be like, is, is he really committed to me? Okay, but, but there was a, a day when, when I said to her, okay, will you marry me? And she thought it through and eventually said yes. I had to convince her. But when we stood before the Lord and before our friends and family and said, this is our vow to one another that I will give my life for you. Okay, so what happens? When marriage is hard, I don't just bail. Why? Not just because I like her, but because in those moments you probably don't. But what happens? I I vowed to her. I I stood before her and before the Lord, and I said to her, I will not divorce you. So in those moments when marriage is hard, I'm reminded of, okay, commitment. I'm committed to this. This is what God has called me to. This is what I've, I've verbalized to her and to the Lord that I'm on board with. We're not just going to give up. Okay, so this, this calling to commit yourselves to a specific body of believers through thick and thin. You have people that, that become a part of churches or, or join churches, and then things happen, and they don't really like them, and so they just kind of move on. And they kind of church hop and church hop. Listen, there's always going to be places you go where things happen and you don't like it. There's always going to be places you go where things happen and there's conflict and you want to run. You won't amount to much if you always run when you face those, those situations. You will not. But it's in those moments when you press through and you have hard conversations that God brings about this process of sanctification that he's working in our lives. I want to make this point underneath the first part of this definition. Membership moves us from being consumers to being investors. From being served to serving. Okay, think about it. So much of when we think about church... We think about coming and drawing from and sucking the life out of and, and consuming. Um, if, if REI ceases to be all that I want it to be as a company, what do I do? I, just, I can just leave, right? If they just stop following through with what they say, um, I can I just be done with them. But, it, but you're not simply called to come to this place and have just something to take home with you as if you're always supposed to walk out of here with this warm, fuzzy feeling as if, wow, that really did it for me. But no, the, this is a place where you are called to give yourself away. 
You are never more like Jesus than when you're pouring out your life for the sake of one another. Why? Where, where do we see that? This cord is killing me. Where do we see that? Um, Matthew 20, verse 28. Probably familiar with this. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Are we not called to be like Christ and called to give our lives up for the sake of the gospel? In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is talking, um, and he's talking about what discipleship is. He's talking about what does it mean to walk with him. And he says this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Okay, what is, what is that saying? It's a calling to, to commitment. It's a calling to say, okay, my purpose is not to just come to North Church and just consume and just eat the food and drink the coffee and just suck the life out of community groups, but how are you actually investing yourself in the lives of one another? That when you come to this place, it, it ceases to be all about what am I going to get out of this experience, and it becomes more about what can I give to this experience? How can I serve and pour into what God is doing here? It's the same thing that the church in Acts did. In chapter 4, it talks about they had everything in common. They would sell their possessions and give to all as they had need. What would it be like if we lived the mentality, what am I going to get out of this? Well, all of a sudden, if you don't like something, you're not satisfied. You're not getting something out of it like you want. You just quit. Now, I'm going to give you a couple questions here that are going to help filter this. Because I think there's kind of like, wait, wait a second. At some point, don't you, aren't, can't you just check out? Like, how does that work, uh, especially in the context of, of church? Uh, here's the wrong question to ask. Can this church offer me what I need? Wrong question. Wrong question to ask. If we think about it the way we're walking through it. Here's the question we should be asking. Is this the kind of place, by kind of place I mean things like theologically, relationally, is this the kind of place that I can utilize my gifting for the advancement of the gospel in my own life and in the lives of others? That, that's the question that we should be asking when you think about what does it mean to, to commit to a place. Not so much is this going to offer me what I need. Because being a Christian is a calling to throw yourself at the feet of Jesus and do whatever he says. And that's the greatest pursuit of joy you will ever experience in your life. You can chew on that one later. What are the two greatest commandments? Somebody say them. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Where do we come into that? We're, we're giving. We're pouring. We're the ones who are pouring out. Now, I want to be careful that we don't begin to, to equate church membership with salvation. Because there are people all over the world that are members of a church, and they've been members of a church forever, but they've been nothing more than just pew warmers. Or maybe they've even been rigorously involved in the affairs of the church, but it becomes more about just checking off these, these things about, um, like, my religion. Like, your salvation isn't dependent upon your membership within a church or within a certain denomination. 
But the process of salvation in your life will bring you to commit to believers in a local context, a local fellowship. Go back to Romans 12. I appear to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Okay, what's the purpose of presenting your bodies? Worshiping him. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, Not to think of yourselves more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. One of the problems is this. We have too high a view of ourself. That's what it says, right? That's what Paul's exhorting here and saying, don't think highly of yourself. It's amazing to to work with people in an establishment like a, a fast food restaurant and how they just begin to think that everything revolves around them and you serving them and you like doing things exactly the way they want as if I exist as a subway worker just to do exactly what they want. Now, in part, I can understand that, but it's to the point where it's all about them. And it's just it's unbelievable some of the people that, that you'll experience in an, in an environment like that. Now, granted, many of them probably aren't professing believers, but think about it. If, if every single person in this room says, it's not about me, it's about you, how, how would that change things? That would be unbelievable. Now, I want to continue in our definition, but I'm going to skip over the, the part about submitting to elders. The second part is submitting to elders. We're going to come back to that. We, we worked at length with on that last week. We're going to come back to that and just cover a couple things, but go on to the last part. It says, uh, taking responsibility for the advancement of the gospel in your own life and in the lives of those around you. Uh, There is a pastor by the name of Mark Dever. He started an organization called Nine Marks, and all that they seek to do is build healthy churches, and he has a book out that I'm reading called What is a Healthy Church? Um, This is a quote out of that book. By identifying ourselves with a particular local church, we are telling the church's pastors and other members not just that we are committed to them, but that we commit to them in gathering, giving, prayer, and service. We are telling them to expect certain things of us and to hold us accountable if we don't follow through. Joining a church is an act of saying, I am now your responsibility and you are my responsibility. I think that's brilliant. Go back to Ephesians 4. The problem is, is we don't want someone else to be responsible for us. Like that was what we did when we were a kid, right? And we just want to get out of the house so bad. And so now it becomes like, heck no, no one's going to be responsible for me. I'm going to be responsible for me. But that's just not the way the Bible shows it. To walk in Christian maturity as God describes it, as God defines it. Verse 4. Romans 12, verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. 
So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one body. So we talked about this global church, right? This global body of Christ where there's members all across the world that are part of the body of Christ. But we all make up a different part. That's what it says. We're individually members of it. Now, it's going gonna, it's gonna to break down what that specifically means Look, verse 5, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of it, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. I'm going to stop there. Let us use them. So the way that you're made and the way that I'm made is completely different. The gifts that you have are completely different than the gifts that I have. If, if this church just revolved around the gifts that I have, that would be brutal. We wouldn't go far. Okay, that, that's, that's this idea of, think about it. If, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 12 where it talks about, if, what if we were all just one big eye? That'd be a weird body, would it not? It, w- it wouldn't function as it's supposed to. But everyone has a specific part that they're called to serve in. They're called to take responsibility for. So many people want to stand outside and say, well, you need to do this, and that church isn't doing that right, and that church isn't doing that right, and that church isn't doing that right. And you know the best response to that comment, to those statements? Hey, come join and be a part of what we're doing, and we'll give you some room to speak into it. But if you're just going to stand outside and begin to just throw darts at what we're doing, you know, you can go away. Taking responsibility personally. How many of you grew up with the idea that the, the advancement of the gospel was like the pastor's job, and that's why they got paid, right? And we just chill back and watch the gospel advance, and I don't have to be a part of that. No. It's, it's all of our responsibility. Paul said, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. And he wasn't talking about a pulpit on a Sunday morning. He's talking about living his life out every moment of every day. He's talking about taking responsibility for the gospel. That's what it's talking about. Keep going. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given, let each use them. That's taking responsibility to utilize the gifting God's given you. Now it's going to talk about what that means. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. How are you taking responsibility for what's happening here at North Church? How are you? Are you just hoping Rick and I get it all done? Because that's just not the way God set it up. Now we might be called to help mobilize and equip and lead but you're a part of this thing just as much as we are and that's what covenant membership is all about it's i'm going to take responsibility for you and you're going to take responsibility for me now let's go back to the second part of the the definition uh submitting to elders we talked at length about this um but I want to I give you two examples, uh, and we're going to kind of, if you weren't here last week, then you might need to go back and uh, listen to the, the message on that, um, because I'm going to kind of reference some things that might be over your head, but I covered last week. But I want to talk about two things 
that make church membership necessary for what the Bible talks about when it says submitting yourselves to the, leader, lo- the leadership of a local church. Um, and I think these will sound pretty practical. So, we looked in 1 Peter 5 where it talks about uh, a pastor's called to shepherd the flock of God that is among them, exercising oversight, and that they will give an account for how they've done that. I will give an account for how I've done that. Now, this is a very interesting thing because how do I know who I'm going to give an account for? Right? I mean, if think about a, a shepherd, like a literal shepherd. They know their sheep, right? Like you have the parable in the scripture where Jesus is talking and he talks about the, the, the shepherd who lost a sheep and he, he, re, he counted them up and he realized he had 99 instead of 100. And so what did he do? He went off to find the, the, the other one, he found, well, the one that was missing. Why? Because he knew his flock, he knew his sheep. If you don't know who you're, who, who's a part, how, how am I going to give an account if I don't know who, who I'm accountable for? Is it just anybody that walks in the door? No. Like this is where we see the calling of church leaders brings about this demand that people say, I'm a part. And I'm, I'm, I'm part of what God is doing. I'm part of walking in obedience to the Lord and submitting to leadership. Otherwise, it'd be make, it, make it very, very difficult from the standpoint of shepherding. The second one is this. If, you, if you're a parent, you understand discipline. At least, at least I hope you do. Um, and I hope you're rigorous at disciplining, and I hope that you spank your kids. Um, I spank my daughter all the time. If you've seen her, you know she is the absolute love of my life next to my wife. Um, but she is vicious. Uh, I, I was joking around the other day that Tobin, when he gets older is going to be telling his friends, you better not mess with me or my sister's going to beat you up. Um, anyway, yeah, we, we are very, very intentional about how we're trying to root out the evil in her heart because it's there. It's there in all of us. It's there in all of our kids, if you have kids. Um, and so discipline, that's the purpose of discipline in the home is that you begin to correct wrong behavior, you begin to, not just behavior modification, but you begin to change the heart. It's one of the reasons why uh, on, on Mother's Day we gave out this booklet that talked about how to deal with the hard issues uh, of your child. Um, if you didn't get one of those and you want one, let me know. I have some I can give you. But the Bible defines the body of Christ as a family. And so in the same way as there's a leader of the family, Namely, the, the father who's held accountable and responsible for what happens in the home. The, the leader of the family of God in the local context of the church are the leaders, are the pastors, are the elders. Who are also called to discipline. Now that gets really interesting and a lot of churches don't do it because it, it's so interesting and it's so awkward. Um, but discipline in a very similar way. Now obviously it, it wouldn't include spanking. That'd be kind of interesting, kind of weird. Um, but it, it deals with, with other issues of, like if you go to Matthew 18, uh, we're not going to go there, but Matthew 18 is a passage that's not just related to church discipline in the, in the large-scale context, but it's also talking about how to confront another believer in Christ when they're 
not walking in obedience to the Lord. And there's a process that it walks you through, and it eventually says after you've gone to that person, and then you've taken somebody else, and they're not following through, and then you've, you take them to the elders, and then they don't follow through, and then the elders take them before the church. Okay? It's, it's talking about disciplining someone. Why? Go to, go to 1 Corinthians 5. Just, it's just a little bit to the right. First Corinthians 5 is an example of this process of church discipline illustrated. So in 1 Corinthians 5, I'll just give you the context and then we'll look at a couple verses. In 1 Corinthians 5, here's what you have. You have some unbelievable sexual immorality that's crept into the church. And it goes on to say in ways that pagans even don't approve of. Here's what it is. You have a guy who's sleeping with his mom. Okay? That's pretty brutal. And so they're going to they're confront this guy. Uh, let's pick up at verse 3. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 3. For though absent in body, Paul's giving this instruction on how, to, how the church in Corinth should handle this disciplinary act. Okay, For though absent in body, I am present in spirit, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled... In the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan. What? That's what it says. For the destruction of the flesh. Now, it's really good that it does not stop there. Deliver this, this person is sexually immoral, walking in deliberate sexual immorality. Deliver them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh, but it keeps going. What does it say? So that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. What is that saying? It's saying that this person needs to be removed from membership. Why? With the goal of restoring them. Discipline always has the aim of restoring. I don't spank my daughter just to beat her. But it's always for the purpose of I want to restore her back to fellowship with me. I want to restore her back to here's the way God's called you to live. That, that's what this is saying. Go down to verse 11. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So here's what they're saying. This person as a member of this local fellowship, is not committed to what they have said they're committed to, and they're more dangerous than they are of any help, and so they need to be removed. But not just to the point of, well, see you later, we're never going to talk to you again, but ultimately for the point of restoring. Uh, maybe you've heard of the pastor, John Piper. There was a point, uh, he, I believe it was him, had to excommunicate his own son from the church. He gave his own son the boot from the membership. Uh, and actually it worked exactly like this passage talks about. He was later on restored to fellowship and repented and walked in obedience to the Lord. That's, that's the point. Now, here's why I brought all that up. You cannot 
formally exclude someone if they're not formally included. So to say you know, you're no longer a part of what it means to be a covenant member here, um, we're going to remove you from membership. You can't do that if they're never... If there's never a process by which they formally say, okay, I'm a part, and here's what it means, and here's what it means, and here's what it means, okay? Here at North Church, uh, some of you uh, have had opportunity to, to pursue membership here. We haven't talked about it much in, recently. We haven't had opportunities, and we're rolling that out again, and we'll continue to roll it out. There's a, there's a sheet of paper on the back table that it's just a sign up. It's not any sense of commitment. It just says, I want more information about what it means to be a covenant member at North Church. Okay? And we're going to have a membership class in uh, the first week of August. We're going to start a membership class uh, that's going to take several weeks that we're going to walk through doctrinally what we believe, uh, kind of the structure of our church. What are you committing to here? All of those things. Um, because that's what, that's what the Bible teaches that you commit yourself to a body of believers. And this is the question I want to ask you, and I want, to, I want to respond to, is are you committed? Are you submitting? And are you taking responsibility for this place? Because what's amazing, I, I will never get over this fact Okay, God doesn't need us. God's glory and God's goals in the world and in the gospel are not dependent upon how I do with them. What's going to happen is God's going to find someone else. If I walk into disobedience, God's going to find someone else to do it and I'm going to miss the blessing. But what's amazing to me is that God invites us to be a part I can just never get that. I'll never understand that. That I can be a part of God's global work in advancing the kingdom of God, in bringing restoration to broken lives, and bringing them back to how He designed life to be in relationship with their Creator. And that we get to be a part of that. I just have this vision of what will it be like one day? And if we just continue to say, okay, God, what are you calling us to as a church? What are you calling us to as a church? What are you calling us to as a church? And we just begin to say, okay, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. And we just seek to be faithful. Man, it's not about this place. You know, we've been small for some time. I don't know. Maybe this is what God has forever. I don't know. I pray that he doesn't. But I'm to the place where I'm just like, okay, Lord, what do we need to do? How do we be faithful with where we're at? How do we be faithful with where we're at? How do we be faithful with where we're at? And you know what? That's not just the thing that I need to be asking. It's the same question that you need to be asking if you're committed here. Because the advancement of the gospel, ultimately, is not dependent on us. God's working in us. But if you think about it, God's called us to this. And if you feel like this is the place where God's called you to be a part, we're going to ask you to commit. And all the while, we'll, we'll be reminded, God, it's not about us. It's about you, your glory and your fame, and we want to make you known. 
We want to worship you and love you. But it's not about me at all. Uh, Let me pray. Papa, you are good. And I adore you for your invitation that we can be a part of your kingdom. That we can walk in relationship with you. That we can be a part of bringing restoration to our own hearts. To the hearts of of others. That that we can be a part of bringing restoration to the world through the broken body of your son. And all that that accomplishes for us. And restoring us to you. In your glory, God. uh, God, I pray that you show us areas where we're not committed. Show us areas where we're not submitting. Show us areas where we're failing to say, I'm going to take responsibility for you and your life. I'm going to be bold and talk to you about hard things and have hard conversations. I'm going to take responsibility for my own life. I'm going to take responsibility for the advancement of the gospel. God, may we never, ever lose sight of the fact that it's not about us. God, we adore you. God, would you lead us to walk in obedience here in this place this morning. In Christ's name, amen.